Hey guys, welcome back to Logos-ish. This is John. Today, we have a very exciting episode for you. We are crossing over with another podcast for the first time, and it's going to be awesome. So keep on listening, or I guess shut it off right now if you're not interested in podcast crossovers. <laughs> but our guests today are going to be Chrissy and Adam from Instructions for Living a Life. I'm just going to open it up. How is everybody doing today? We have so many people on this podcast this week. <laughs> so many. Um, and yeah, coffee. Super excited. Good. And Adam are with us. Um, you want to tell us about yourself? What's going on? What do you have for breakfast? What's you get here? Before As Chrissy. always, social security number, birthday, uh, <laughs> password. Wow, it's like Jason Bourne is on the call. It's so weird. Previous addresses. <laughs> mother's maiden name etc i don't know if they're having us on to interview us or murder us later i'm not entirely certain they're there's gonna no hire real him. podcast called logos this is <laughs> we stop at identity come on <laughs> faulted Adam, go for it chrissy oh, okay. I, I, yep you just let me know i'm good <laughs> i'm gonna let you go all right so my name is adam baker and i am currently a united methodist pastor living in st louis missouri i have to kind of that because I'm reminding myself of it. We just moved here within the past year, and Chrissy and I have had a podcast for a couple of years now called Instructions for Living a Life, where we have conversations about the intersections between faith, hope, love, and mental health, which is a really fertile, interesting kind of realm to have conversations in because everybody connects with that in different places and in different ways. So we've had just some really wonderful guests along the way, whether those are people of faith or people who are not sure they are people of faith or people who are just trying to figure out where they are in general. But it's always honest and always open, and I'm always grateful at the end of it. And I'm Chrissy Reeves Pendergrass, and I live in Greenville, North... Or, I'm sorry, Greenville. No, I don't. I live in Greenville, South Carolina. That was so weird. <laughs> he said Durham earlier. It just came out. That was strange. <laughs> okay. Um, I also know my middle name, if you're wondering, even though I don't know where I live. And I am a pastor. I'm doing like congregational development, church planting type stuff at a downtown church here. And um, I also teach pastors on how to do pastoral care with those who have experienced sexual assault and domestic violence with my training called Listening to the Tamars. And this is probably one of the greatest joys of my life in ministry is, this, is our podcast instructions for living a life that kind of just um, was an unexpected treasure. Do you want to hear it? I guess I'll, I'll just tell you kind of how it came about. Um, I was just going to ask. So perfect. yeah, that's, I figured that was what you, I've done this before. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so uh, a couple years ago, so I'm a survivor of domestic violence and sexual assault myself. And um, a couple years ago for Lent and Lenten practice, I kind of felt like I divorced my story from my pastoral ministry and I wasn't handling that divorce. Well, <laughs> I kind of, kind of felt like slut, but I would, I, like when I tell people like that, my history, sometimes they feel like they don't know what to do with it. Like it's almost overwhelming for them. And I felt like I was traumatizing people and I didn't want to do that, but I had to figure out a way to kind of bring my whole self into ministry. So for Lent, I decided to write a memoir. Um, and so I wrote my story over, um, over Lent two years ago, three years ago, which is going to be coming out in the fall. Yay. Um, Ooh. Uh, it's called Betrayed with a Kiss. So if you if you see that, it's me. 
If you don't, that's fine too. And I wanted, I knew I had to have a platform to do publishing if I wanted to do that. And so I wanted something that felt real and authentic and actually served some sort of purpose. And I remembered being friends with this guy named Adam Baker from seminary who we had done some stuff around sexual assault and trauma care, um, pastoral care together. And I thought, I studied psychology. He used to be a counselor. I bet we could do a really great podcast on mental health and faith. And so I called him like right before Easter and said, Hey, after Easter, call me back. I just have like, I mean, we had maybe talked a couple of times since seminary, but not really. Um, so I think this is probably a random phone call. And luckily he said, yeah, let's check it out. See if, see how it works. We'll try it. And, and um, here we are a couple of years later. Awesome. That's really cool. We've also got Garrett and Brian on today. Do you guys want to jump into the conversation and join us this morning? I mean, sure. a- absolutely. Uh, it, it is a pleasure to have you guys on and it's a, a new challenge for us as, you know, still podcast noobs, even though we're in season two, I still feel like a noob, but it's uh, great to hear about your story and your experiences in this. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited for conversation uh, and how faith and what we're experiencing in life interacts with mental health because uh, it does for me every single day. Yeah. Yeah. And uh uh, let's see. I had a honey bear for breakfast, and <laughs> which is a great espresso drink from Florida, which is honey and cinnamon sugar and espresso and milk. My social one. security number is one, two, three, four, five, six, <laughs> seven, eight. No, uh, but I'm excited to chat with you guys and the the intersection between mental health and faith. Uh, I'm coming from a background to where mental illness is really prevalent in my family you know, anxiety and other forms of psychiatric disorders um, there. So yeah, it's, it's been a really interesting way to journey in my calling. So it's, it's awesome to touch base with you guys. And this is like what you do. So, man, it's just cool to, to, to chat with other podcasters uh, because we're just a special type of weird and I love it every moment of it. So <laughs> deeply true friend, deeply that true. Was so real. Yep. Well, Garrett, we found that a lot, that so many people have some sort of history or connection to mental health and issues in some way, shape, or form. Like Brian said, many of us, this is just a part of our daily life. And if we bring our whole selves to God, shouldn't that also be these things? And God brings God's whole self to us. And I think that means reconciling and redeeming or even working through our mental health. Chrissy and I also talk a lot about the idea of the spectrum of mental health as a, a lived and very basic human experience. So rather than something that's separate from the norm, everybody exists as a human being who's having experiences, who has psychi- psychiatric realities happening within the chemical makeup of their brain, the way that their body interacts with their brain, and the way that their body and mind interact with the world around them. That's everybody. That's not like only the people who are diagnosed. Right. So mm-hmm. if we're, we're all quite literally on a spectrum of mental health connection in our day-to-day life. Uh, it's just that there are some of us for whom um, our symptoms or what have you seem to violate the, the basic structure of what people are comfortable with as, well, I don't, I don't see your, your problems, if you will, uh, normally. And so those people tend to get pointed out or, or shamed, or they feel strange when in fact they're pretty normal, <laughs> whatever normal may be, again, another spectrum. Um, and so <laughs> this is this is just one of those opportunities that we have 
to try and normalize conversation around these realities. Like, hey, what's your experience? What, what's it been like if you have been diagnosed um, in the past? Like um, I've said many times, diagnosis is not a firm and static reality. It is literally something that a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a counselor gives to you so they can bill um, insurance. And it sort of quantifies your presenting symptoms and experiences. So it's like a momentary like, oh, this is sort of maybe something that you're fitting within for now in this moment. Tomorrow may be different, but this is what you're dealing with. I, I really appreciate the effort it takes to like have regular conversation about mental health and because that fights the stigma, right? Absolutely. So for those of you who are listening who don't understand what we're talking about when we say the stigma, like there is a, the reason that mental health isn't talked about is because people feel that they're going to be looked down upon. And mm -hmm. I had a conversation with a member of my congregation this week, and they were super concerned about being asked to step into a new role in the life and ministry of the church, because they just could not handle the stress mm -hmm. of what that would be, and what anxieties that produced for them. And and they, and they like took me aside and was just like, look, like, I'm glad that you asked. I'm honored that you asked, but I can't do this. Like, cause it's right. not good I think that's really honest as a guys. person. And, mm -hmm. and, and then I was like, okay, well, that's like, I hear you. Like, and there are days when like, I feel that way, <laughs> uh, and what my role is, uh, in the life and ministry of the church. So thank you for what you guys are doing. What is it about church? As you said, uh, you know, we're supposed to bring our whole authentic self before God. So why is it so difficult in church culture to be honest about our mental illness and struggles, et cetera? I think we're not honest about a lot of things in church. Sure. I think, <laughs> I mean, I, we have been kind of taught, like you bring your Sunday best, right? Like there's a term for it. You, you, you wear nice clothes. You act like you have it together. Your prayer requests that you write down are stuff that you're comfortable writing down. You don't like, we've had someone on who works, who, who had a church inside of a women's prison and talked about like, and Sarah and John, you know, who I'm talking about. Cause you, you were at lead with us who had these amazing prayer requests that were so real and authentic and um, broken. And that is the kind of cries that I think God rejoices in coming from our lips are, are the real cries of our heart, not the Sunday best ones. So I, I think it's just that we've created this idea that church is supposed to be shiny and wholesome and good. And it's just so such an antithesis to the gospel. So I don't think it's just mental health. I think it's a lot of things. I don't think we know how to talk about money. I don't think we know how to talk about sex. I don't think we know how to talk about crime or, or real issues that really affect most of us in a very real and traumatic way. Adam, you look like you wanted to say something. Well, I, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think like what I'm about to say may be uncomfortable, but I think that we have a huge overarching practice of quote unquote Christian experience and Christian faith and within the church where we don't have anything to do with the actual incarnation of who Jesus is because, and I mean, theological nerdery, but like if, if you take the incarnation seriously and embodied Jesus who remains embodied, who even at the sits at the right hand side of the father, according to the scriptures right now in a still wounded body, Right. Still scarred. Absolutely. Yeah. Didn't, didn't ascend and magically like get new body that glowed and was perfect along the way. Like 
still has wounds, hands, feet, side, head, then like, how, how are we demonizing any lived embodied experience? How are we demonizing people who are wounded or how are we not trying to, to enforce some sort of idea of Christian community as this place where we don't talk about things that aren't appropriate or things that aren't uh, full of hurt or wounding. Like mm-hmm. this is supposed to be nice. This is supposed, and I'm like, this is all BS is what it is. Like, right. Polite church. <laughs> it's polite church. Polite church ignores the reality of Jesus. Like, and it wounds people. It wounds Absolutely. people. <laughs> it is boring. It's, it's boring and it's painful. And I think that mm-hmm. that's so, so sad because we're, we're acknowledging that God still bears wounds, but yet instead of acknowledging those wounds, we're causing them. <laughs> so I, I think the hard, I, I mean, but it's so real. The stigma is so, is so deeply ingrained also in our culture, but especially in our churches. So um, when I was in seminary studying to be a pastor, um, I was experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder from, um, from my history. And Adam, I think you were one of like five people that knew this at the time, but I, I was put on suicide watch twice while I was in seminary because I, I, I lived with the visions of things happen that atrocities that a person just doesn't know how to cope with. Um, at 25 years old like that's just not we're not made for this kind of trauma to experience in our lives we have to be taught how to process that and I was in I was in intensive therapy while while getting a master's from Duke Divinity I don't recommend doing both of those things at once (laughs) one of those things is stressful enough (laughs) but it was such a part of this I was in this community of faith it was trying to be a pastor and I didn't I didn't feel like I could tell people that Mm. I didn't know how to live. I didn't know if I wanted to because I had experienced things I didn't know how to deal with. And this is the, so these are people that are tra- being trained in pastoral care. And I didn't know how to share this with them or that I could. And those, some of those that did find out it was not like it, it wasn't judgmental, but it was almost like they saw me as less of an adult. Like I couldn't make my own decisions or, you know, like that I needed help in other aspects of life which is not necessarily true, right? It might've been on some days, but it wasn't their job to parent me either, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I do think that this has become so ingrained in us that even as pastors, we're not, I mean, we keep our, our, our crap quiet too, you know? And yeah. I think if we're going to change this, we have to stop doing that. Sure. We need to, we need to acknowledge things like, like I'm, I had my third, therapy session with a new counselor here in St. Louis. We love therapy. And, and it's been such a freaking gift. Like it's been Mm -hmm. beautiful and life-giving. And I try and talk about that when people are like, I I lead my team meetings here at, at my, my church site and talk with the staff. And I talk with people who are part of leadership teams and other people who are part of just worship. And and whenever they say, well, how are things, they're like, what, how is God meeting you? What's, what is God blessing you with? And I'm like, well, let me tell you about like the gift that therapy is. And if you're not in therapy, you should be because it's, it, it should be something everybody's going through once in a while. We all have a family care physician. Why don't we all have a therapist? Like, sure. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And normalizing it. That's, I feel like that seems to be the harder part. And if you don't want to and it's hard because I feel like sometimes as the pastor across the board, you have to sort of live into that example. So like I've met some really awesome 
people that, you know, publicly post about, you know, therapy or going to celebrate recovery or like just constantly <laughs> sharing that. But even that kind of, that definitely does take a toll as well. But they're like, if it's not all always out there, that this is an okay behavior to share, especially in church, church culture, it's, it would be really hard to change from silently from the inside too. So I really appreciate the people that I know do that, but, uh, and it's helped me share, but at the same time, like it's a lot, <laughs> it's a lot. Well, it's I mean, Brene Brown talks about how you have to find those people that deserve your vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, is the case. Like you can't constantly be pulling out of your, I mean, just bearing your wounds to people like that's not, I mean, even Jesus only did it when asked. And, and, I, mean, I, and I think there's something to that. Yeah. And in light of that, I mean, it's, it's also just having a discernment about, like I can say, and I do like I'm in therapy and I really appreciate it, but I'm not saying, let me tell you why I'm in therapy. Let me tell you the issues I'm working on. <laughs> and if you, if you were curious, I'd figure out a way to talk about it without really like going further. Like you just mm-hmm. know yourself, like, uh, we we push back against the idea of gatekeeping where somebody's like, oh, well, I know more about this than you. But like you can gatekeep yourself. Like no one just has ready access to the innermost parts of your experience. Mm-hmm. And so you can say like, it's cool. You know, I appreciate you. I'm getting to know you. And, uh, you know, we're, we're building trust and rapport. And I hope that we can come to a place where we can be open. But it's cool if we're not there right now. Like, let's just spend more time together. <laughs> so. Well, and I mean, so I'm pretty publicly open about my history, but that doesn't mean I like I'm I disclose it in people in relationships where I'm getting to know people, right? Like, I mean, if you wanted to Google me, you'd find it out. But I mean, I still pick and choose who and when to share, and and I mean, first and doing it publicly like this, right? Like, there's a lot that I still don't share for a myriad of reasons. But I mean, not traumatizing other people. It's just not everybody's business. And, you know, I'm choosing to to publish this work that has it in there. But even then, it's like that. It will still, still only be disclosed to people who read it. Yes. Like, yes. Like I'm mm-hmm. you are coming to this because you want to know and not. Yeah. Yes. Um. So there's a selection process. And I think that that's that's real, too. But I do think that we have to we have to break the stigma in and of our institution, too. Right. Like in the ordination process didn't you guys notice like on, you had to like turn in your psych eval but you also like had to check whether or not you'd been in a mental institution at some point like a psychiatric care did you guys have that we did i don't know if i did i don't Chrissy. remember if so i skipped it <laughs> i mean just <laughs> yeah i mean i remember thinking i mean you're not asking if i've had like my gallbladder removed why are you asking <laughs> there's lots of reasons to have hospital stays. well there, yeah, and there, the ordination questions are insanely invasive. Um, on our medical well, yes. report, um, we have to report the results of our last pap smear as women. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, like part wild. of women's job, part of women getting ordained is we have to go to a gynecologist. Like, why is that? Why? why? Adam's <laughs> face. Like, I don't get it. That's because there's nothing to get here. It's, Did you not? There, there's some like sexism baked into that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Adam's like ready to change the whole thing. He's like, like, let's throw it out. This is yeah. not okay. What what happens if you leave that blank? What conversations occur? I'm just curious. I don't, yeah, that's a good question. reason. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't yeah. think anyone does. That good thing is, Laurel's not on the podcast. She 
just be like, burn it all to the ground. Forget it. No more. <laughs> well, it, I mean, I, mean, I kind of feel that way too. Like that's incredibly invasive. Yeah. And it, and I understand that like boards of ordained ministry want to like make sure that people who are journeying through this process are physically and mentally healthy. Like we Oh, I'm all for that. All, all for <laughs> physically and mentally healthy pastors, not for consistent HIPAA violations and BS. There it is right there. It's the HIPAA violation. Yeah. We could just couch it in that. Like this is one giant HIPAA violation I'm giving you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, as people, when you're somebody who has suffered with mental illness or has trauma that you're recovering from, I think you're constantly evaluating who's safe and who's not. And, yes. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you have a better understanding of what safety is than, than other people do. Exactly. It's not a hindrance. I think it's a superpower. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. That's good. So, I mean, I, with like official boards, it's like, I don't know. There's, there's so much, but there's like coercion too. Cause you feel like you have to answer these questions. Yeah. Mm. Or they'll know somehow that you're broken in a way that they can't see or that they know, but you were not ready to confess. And then, yeah, it's it. Yeah. I mean, I I've told a story about being, um, sexually harassed by a supervisor in seminary and I kind of I kind of blogged about it and I had um like a member of our institution be like I mean I think I should have known this happened to you why why is that something I'm supposed to share with you ahead of time like you're not my counselor I'm just I I yeah if you can if you can link the necessity of my vulnerability regarding my own woundedness to how you are actively seeking my betterment. And you do that for me before I reveal what's, what's my, what my hurt is, you know, maybe then, but <laughs> I mean, it, we don't just offer the deep truths of ourselves, even to a board, like, mm-hmm. like, I don't think there's or anything DS. disrespectful or a DS. I don't think there's anything disrespectful oh. about saying, can I just understand more about what this question means and why you, you have it as a necessity and here are my hesitancies and why. And there's a certain air of, uh, we're doing this for your betterment. You should trust us. We're not out to get you. And then, but we see throughout, this might be my own burning in the process. <laughs> Fair enough. You bring it, man. You bring it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> that is just like people get hurt in this process. Yes. And I mean, I and I do think there's good at like like what's his name for the branch Davidians? David the leader Koresh. of the branch. Thank you. David Koresh did not get through the United Methodist ordination process because he kept failing a psych eval. Like I do think there is a positive that can come out of this. Sure. Oh, absolutely. But I also think more- that we have let people get away with mistreating clergy because we're like, and no other, like if I wanted to pass the bar exam, which I think like my, my ordination committee kind of compared it to that. Like we're a credentialing body, like the board. Uh, I mean, uh, like the, um, like the bar exam. Okay. But they're not asking about my pap smear. Like I just, like, well, this is constructive critique, right? Like, absolutely. I, 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 mean, I think I, that I'm, the institution should be. And I think, from my experience has been, and I don't know if that's literally because I'm just walking in my own privilege as a, as a white cisgender male, but like for me to be able to say, have you considered this and how it might actually be counterproductive to the safety of your process? And that has been received and there's been some alterations along the way, but not everybody can freely 
offer critique to a system of power. And I, I recognize that. We're not all in the same place of ability to do that and to be heard while doing that. And so I think that's why conversations like this are really important, where we, we have a myriad of voices at the table and we're able to hear one another and to kind of say, okay, now that we've shared this and we have a common understanding of what might need to be changed or altered, who can be heard from among us right now? And can you go and speak to those who will hear and encourage their hearing from the rest of us as well? It's like, this is why honesty about mental health and faith <laughs> matters deeply. It's not so one voice can be elevated. It's so that we can hear one another and help everyone to hear all of us. Yeah, it's been a lesson in empathy to do this podcast too. Like to continually being reminded of the human suffering and resiliency. <laughs> because we've seen so much resiliency. And that's taught me a lot about myself and about other people. But it's also taught me a lot about Christ, right? Like to see people, not the facade, that, but the real person. We actually had someone come on one time that I thought was really great. I can't remember who it was at this at this exact moment. Maybe Adam will, but they're they talked to us beforehand. They're like, your podcast has a really high level of vulnerability, which is great, but I'm not comfortable with that. And so that was what our podcast was about. Like, how do you choose who to be vulnerable around and why? Which was a really rich episode. Can you talk a little more about that episode? Because, you know, I in particular am an incredibly waspy person. I chose my you know, primary care physician by how snarky he would be to me while delivering my test results. So, you know, like, like I, I am sort of at the opposite end of the spectrum where I'm almost vulnerable, never vulnerable with anybody. So, you know, I think I personally would benefit from a little bit of advice and you can just tell me to go watch the episode, but I'm, I'm curious about like some of the <laughs> short conclusions you got from that conversation. I mean, I think it was about relationship was really what it came down to. Like, the person earning that place in your life and and like that trust being built to say you are thou and I'm a thou and therefore we can be together. I mean, I probably could send you, I mean, I could send you a link, but I, it's been a while. Adam, I'm having, do you remember much more? I'm thinking and I, it's, it's a good problem to have when you have enough guests and episodes where you, you you can't pick one out because there's a common thread that seems to be, oh, which, yeah. which is what we're talking about right now. But yeah, we, we can definitely send a link to that. I think that along the way, that encouragement of vulnerability, and it's, it is, I mean, Brene Brown has a lot to do with this, but it's particularly among young, younger generations, it's a, a concept and a, and a way of living that is encouraged. There's nothing wrong with the encouragement of that, but there's also a recognition that not everybody is in a place where they, as a person, it doesn't mean that they've been hurt or that they're wrong or something's bad with them, but they may not be a kind of person that finds life and joy and fulfillment in, hey, I've just met you. Let me tell you about who I am truly. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. I think it's important, like John, you were saying, like, I think people need to need to earn that. And it's it's a really okay thing that you aren't necessarily hyper vulnerable with a ton of different people. I mean, this has been offered as an example countless times, but look at Christ himself and, and who he chooses to be utterly vulnerable with. And that's even, even among the disciples, only a select few are like those whom he loved. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's fine. 
I mean, in writing my memoir, there are stories that aren't going to ever go to print that are in there that all, you know, that, that, or didn't write down because that's not something, I mean, they're just, they're mine for good or for bad. They're mine. But I also think it's, it's important. Like that trust buildup helps you understand, like knowing where the other, what the other person can handle too, because like there are times when we have things that we need to unload that a person is just not prepared to know how to deal with too. And there is that like, like I know in my own life, a couple of years ago, I shared something that I hadn't shared with anyone ever about my story to my, to my husband now. And, um, it, tra- it like truly traumatized him. He had like nightmares and really, really struggled with it. And that was just, that was a burden that he was not prepared to carry at that time. And that's fair to say like, you don't have, and I, and I think sometimes we just don't have the capacity. Like I, I have a, my, one of my best friends will, whenever she's really struggling with something, she'll text me and be like, if you have the mental ability today, can you call me? Which I think is a lovely question. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like I don't have the bandwidth for this sometimes. And that's real too. I don't know if that answers your question, John, or, or helps you in any way, shape or form. I think about the scripture, don't toss your pearls in front of swine a lot. Like, like they are definitely people who, and I think as, as white cisgendered people, we may not always, but I, I do think that there's a lot of negotiating about figuring out who's safe in like minority groups, like that they have to figure this out all the time. Um, who's safe to share stuff with and over like a burden that they shouldn't have to carry. But I do think that there's something that we could learn from that. Like what, how did, how do you figure that out? Cause I'm not sure it's a skill we were taught. <laughs> I could say just being the person of color on the podcast, mm-hmm. you know, generally you find out when like whatever, like whatever you share um, is then automatically used as something against you or, or right. whatever else, like it's automatically trespassed against. So like me right out the gate, accidentally overshared about my like personal, like I, one, I did this during a sermon. So bad idea Two, It was right after, Oh boy. It was like right at the beginning of 2016. And, and it was like the alt-right, like uprising um, in the South. Like and Charlottesville. Said, yeah. Charlottesville. I'm like, it's not Charleston. It's, you know, but it's a C so Charlottesville <laughs> and like right out the gate, I shared like, you know, like for me, this is significant. And to, you know, our brothers and sisters that, you know, that are brown and, you know, not white, you know, this is, this is concerning. So how do we, how do we love them? And then all of a sudden everything was on fire because essentially I just called everyone a racist. I'm like, no, (laughs) I did not. I'm like, okay, maybe I need to be a little bit more tender with the, with those things that I share because then that just turned into trauma after trauma after trauma inflicted on me and my family and on others who were all of a sudden on some sort of stage for being not moral folks. And, you know, then I was also, you know, I also discovered a lot about other people, which I didn't necessarily want to uh, at the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I inherited a lot of wisdom that will always be with me, but from that, like I, I had to learn about, and as you said, who to share these experiences for. 
that to me though is like incarnational right like where we we carry the scars but we also carry the wisdom like jesus care like knew what it meant still like that that episode of being crucified and ridiculed and betrayed um and beaten and broken didn't disappear like that history was still in that body yeah and the understanding and compassion and desire to be with what god created was only amplified i think right and i think that's to is is this incarnational aspect of us being human beings is that whenever we do experience some sort of trauma if we are able to overcome it if we are given the the time and the experience or the resiliency from life to do so because not everyone can and not and and some things are deadly and i don't want to discount that but i do think we carry we sometimes carry wisdom along with our scars and that's like post-traumatic, I mean, there are words for post-traumatic growth, but all this, I think, comes down to re- like redemption. Yeah, I definitely could feel that. And, you know, thinking about, you know, Jesus appearing in the upper room, back to Adam's comment, it those wounds were still there. And to me, it's like, oh, yeah, it's affirming that that happened. And that was significant to, to Jesus and still a part of who he is. And then there's something beyond that that you find in God. So I always thought just sort of making me think about that in a different way. That was, that was pretty cool. But what happened to you should never have had to happen. I want to make that clear to you. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the way trauma, I mean, with all traumas, what happened to you should not have had to happen. The still wounded traumatized God that we worship would utterly agree with what Christy did. Christy Absolutely. Just said. So. Mm-hmm. These are things that should not be. Yes, John. <laughs> He's like leaning into the mic. There's too uh, well, many podcasters on this episode. True. <laughs> well, we're actually down to the normal number now. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> now that we've eliminated Brian from the podcast, we voted him off the island. <laughs> this is officially turning into a reality show. Yeah, no, I was just going to comment, and Garrett, we can totally cut this out. But, you know, mm. whenever you talk about that time you know the the story that really stood out in my mind was the guy who like walked into your office with the pamphlet oh yeah it was like we're totally not racist and then hands you like a pamphlet about how we need to like divide the country in two and Mm -hmm. oh like divide everybody up by like skin color and it's like but we're totally not racist right what year is this oh my gosh 2016 no, I believe I know that. I just I'm like, yeah. I, are you in the 1800s, man? Yeah, yeah. They tried that once. It didn't work. It was racist. <laughs> True, but we're beyond that. You know, we had the 1960s. That was that was sort of their defense. Oh, I know. I I know the argument. That's, that fixes everything. It's, it's amazing <laughs> what what distant experience that may not have personally touched you can be used as a sentimental like cloak to surround yourself with <laughs> to show that your achievements like somehow like no, I never walked on any bridge. No, I never went through that myself. But I was alive when the moon landing happened, so I must have been to the moon. Okay. <laughs> You know, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Where I, I have learned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Garrett, I've learned a lot about racism. I, in the last couple of years that I did not want to learn, um, unfortunately, and in my own life and my own self, um, I raised a child who is biracial and like just the comments that happened to my four-year-old, I'm like, you know, that's not okay. Right. 
That's that's maybe another topic, but I just wanted to say I just don't. I can relate. In a minute. <laughs> I wanted to sit in it with with you a minute. I'm sure you. I see, and that's like I know you can more than relate, right? Like I can only sort of kind of relate, but it's it's really uh, it's really interesting, and I really do appreciate the work of like others that kind of sit in that weird strange spot to be like biracial, because sometimes you know you can easily like blend in or pass for one race or another which is from my seat that's awesome but I kind of look ambiguous so you can't really tell like what are you exactly I got a lot of those questions what are you which is Uh, not okay to say also can we admit that like yeah yeah (laughs) what are you (laughs) that's like like, I'm a human often I say that and or something else like snarky to kind of play it off but you know you kind of develop those kind of defense mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, it's a really interesting spot to, to kind of exist. But again, the wisdom, uh, if, if you can work through it, helps me say like, okay, that was not all right. And there's some sort of like purchase I have to kind of say those things. And people are like, all right, I'm not immediately threatened by, by your critiques, you know? And then it allows me to, you know, work, on being empathetic to folks who are just like totally totally disconnected from like whatever actual reality exists so that's sort of like my journey and like thinking about with my little one on the way she'll have her own set of issues but you know want to pass on the wisdom without passing on the trauma I think that's that's another thing that like Mm -hmm. is going to be a challenge because I have no idea so what does that even look like? <laughs> but, you know, if it all works out again, uh, we'll just send our children off to Brian. Right, John? Um, and he'll raise our children as superheroes. He will raise them well after we disappear at sea or get murdered in the or what have you. Garrett, would you like to explain that for the audience who hasn't? I was just sitting. Uh, we could, we I was not. like, it's going, what? <laughs> what? So, Disney so uh, <laughs> Laurel and I and John and Sarah, we have um, elected Brian to raise our children if any sort of origin story would happen. So like if uh, there was an accident at sea or Laurel and I go down the Batman route, go to an opera and um, essentially set up a new Batman, Brian will become Alfred to our children and raise them to be uh, justice fighting vigilantes. And for the first time, just before this podcast started, he verbally assented to it. So that is contractual now. This is a recording of that moment, not of that moment. And he's not here to take that vow publicly on the podcast. Maybe in the future, maybe in the near future, (laughs) Brian will publicly vow on a recording to take care of our future children. But... But you heard it here first, folks. Brian is going to be our Alfred for our bat people. And bat well, people. if this happens, he needs some. He needs some understanding on how to deal with trauma, traumatic, traumatized children. Blah 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 blah. That's a good point. That's true. Probably be traumatized. Well, for yeah. raising them to be Batman, he needs to be able to teach them how to not deal with their trauma <laughs> and to channel it into violence against. Trauma. Just, just weaponize your rage. <laughs> You know, can you imagine like like teaching a child this? Although I do think people, some people do. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, now that I say that, oh my. So many yeah. superhero origin stories right there. Yes. This is Brian who does not want to get married and does not want to have kids that we are dumping our kids on. <laughs> <laughs> when my son was, uh, his adoption party um, was a Superman themed because, and superhero themed because they were adopted too. <laughs> just, it feels Aww. really like a different story right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, to be fair, Superman is a different type of story, right? <laughs> Where he's Batman is a very specific kind of trauma and, and story. We like had his like little like onesie suit on and then we kept the top unbuttoned and he had a Superman onesie on underneath. <laughs> That's adorable. So we are way too into this as nerds. Like <laughs> happy <laughs> and that's why we should all be fans of green lantern not no real trauma until like late adulthood so you know that's, that's i'm okay bad. not being a green lantern fan <laughs> i am too i just don't think he's a great I, i'm more marvel anyway if i'm yeah. honest well i'm sorry guys this is like an official dc podcast we we all agree <laughs> time we talked about comics and and other nerd paraphernalia oh adam we don't fit in <laughs> no, we'll, we'll pray for you it's okay it's fine right. everybody can be redeemed it's fine <laughs> what kind of wisdom are we gonna get from this experience that's what i want that's, that's, that's it i think sarah has something to say I don't. I don't even know where to go. I'm just, I'm very... We are so off track. It's not even funny. I kind of like it, though. It's funny. A life-giving off-track experience. Well, it does kind of speak to how culture helps us tell our own stories by telling other sort of model stories, right? You Bring know, it <laughs> Bringing it back and, and thinking about how we process things through the the shared narratives that we have and i mean that's that's very big i think especially for religion because we've been kind of modeling that over the course of the episode returning back to pieces of the christian story and looking at them and saying you know this this is where we can uh, you know relate to that story and make connections and embed ourselves within that story and then find some kind of, you know, life-giving response to each other or for ourselves, you know, that that's, that's a huge thing. And, you know, it's, it's not something to be taken lightly. And in, in a non-biblical sense, I think that's even part of the reason that we love doing what we do with our podcast. We encourage people to share some of their narrative in the hopes that others will hear the open sharing of that narrative and catch some part of their own story echoed mm -hmm. in it. Absolutely. And to say, I've heard someone speak about this in a public setting, perhaps for the first time. Maybe I can be more open about what I've been through, or maybe I can grow and seek healing and strengthening and care in the ways that this person has. I think that's part of like our whole, the, the Christian faith is, is, is narrative to the core because it's a, it's a telling and a retelling of story and finding ourselves in some aspect of that story or hearing how that story has shaped the stories of others, other people and saying, well, maybe I, could, I actually have something that's sort of like that. And I think that's, that's a big part of why we want to talk about faith and mental health and encourage others to do so. Just to, to have a shared ability to speak an open and honest story in community and know that others are willing to do the same and to receive your story. Like what a, what a profound and beautiful gift that is. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we we're doing our small part, <laughs> I guess, in, in inviting that. And it's sometimes it is crushing. Like there are episodes where Chrissy and I 
just kind of, we get done and we look at each other and I'm like, well, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I just have nothing to say. I've done. Um, yeah. I'm, it's all poured out. I go take a long nap. And then there are others where we just are left kind of in tears because whether from laughing so hard or just from the, the reality of what, what others have gone through. So st- story and sharing story and hearing story and holding story is just so beautiful, y'all. It's, it's a powerful thing. Well, guys, you know, I think we're coming close to the end of our average time that we kind of aim for with every episode. And one of the things we try really hard to do here is to provide some space to kind of go off topic a little bit uh, and get a little positive with things like talk about what's getting you through the week, what's bringing you joy, what's lifting you up. You know, we try to offer a spectrum of options because sometimes there just is no joy, (laughs) but there is something that is sustaining you or giving you life in some other way. But you know, what this week is helping everybody either cope or just sit on top of that that mountaintop high. So I I really value rest. I don't think that we rest enough as Americans. Um so for me this week I I'm, I'm a little under the weather and so I've been out of work. I was out of work yesterday. Not out of work. I didn't <laughs> I was sick and took a sick day from work yesterday. And I just slept a good bit of the day. And I don't know the last time that I had the ability to do that. And I found that that was really rejuvenating, was just put a little perspective on life. that Some of what I was feeling was just exhaustion instead of hopelessness. Eat something and take a nap and then come back to how you're feeling and tell me if it's real. Yep. I need to do creative things on the side that are not pastoral and not theological, but everything ends up being theological in some way. So I can't really get away from it. But um, I sing for a band called Bears His Teeth and just kind of post-hardcore, not screaming, but like heavy and, and melodic. And the record label, one of the record labels that's working with us is Friend Club Records. It's run by a couple friends of mine. And they're putting out a new compilation of just a bunch of bands that are associated with the label. And uh, I just this morning got the final mix of a song that another buddy and I are, we just are doing like a different band. Just, it might just be for this one song. It might be for some continuing project, but it sounds way different than my other band. It's like a total throwback to 1990s emo. And uh, it makes me so happy. Like, it's just like all the feels all the time. (laughs) Super, super pretty. Yeah. So I'll I'll get you all links for the for the the record label and for that compilation. Maybe you can share it just to see if anybody's interested. But yeah, just just when you've made something with friends and it's creative and it's fulfilling and it's a joy to be able to share that with other people, that stokes me out. So I'm I'm really if you happy. Want, we can totally throw that on the opening and ending music for the podcast Ooh. episode today. We we might just have to do that. Oh, that would be so cool, Adam. Super fun, yeah. Yes. Shameless self-promotion is what we are all about. (laughs) You could be the new sound of the Logos-ish. That's right. The Catfish Company. I mean, the podcast. (laughs) Early aughts, pop punk is the soundtrack of my life. John and I belong just fine, so. Like Panic at the Disco and... So I like went back. So during that period, I actually um, did not care much for a lot of those bands, but like uh, I went back and I was like, fallout boys kind of 
decent, actually. Uh, and I've done that with several other I don't people. think that Adam's going to agree with you on that one. <laughs> There's nothing but grace and people enjoying what they enjoy. So. No, but I've been, I've been doing dives recently in the like Taking Back Sunday and just these yellow other cards. Like random. Oh, man. Yellow card. <laughs> the sound I'm of my high school singing. Yeah, but just, just really anything that came out of that time or adjacent kinds of acts that have taken inspiration from that period. It's been it's been sort of a weird mix of all of those kinds of things. Fallout Boy was just sort of the most obvious one that came to mind because <laughs> like defending is just I like Fallout Boy, but I know there's, Adam- there's like no judgment here. None. <laughs> He's making something out to me that doesn't exist right now. <laughs> hey, I'm being vulnerable right now. That's like, right. I'm not gatekeeping. Remember, I said it's not OK to gatekeep and other things just yourself. <laughs> There we you go. <laughs> I mean, I fall down the Nirvana hole all the time. That was totally like my totally. jam. I'm like now that Adam. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, constantly, I use it as like sort of like basis for preaching. I'm like, all right, I just need to like focus, get into like my deeper self. Boom. Mm-hmm. Here we are. I have those bands too. So. I am going to take this in a totally square route, but to the music <laughs> thing. Uh, so I grew up in a. I often feel this way with working with Adam. Like he's so much cooler than me. Like there's no doubt. Not he's even. got the cool glasses. He's in a band. He knows punk rock terms. And I just nod and go, I like pop, top 40 music. Well, I'm like, not like, feel cooler. Um, so I grew up in a United Methodist household. Um, we were, you know, very Christian, but not like we didn't participate in a lot of Christian pop culture. Um, Good for you. I did not, Mm -hmm. I had never heard of like left behind or any of those weird Christian things that were happening when I was growing up. I'm so so glad for you. (laughs) With the exception of in our old Dodge minivan, my mom had two Amy Grant tapes. Yes. Yes. All the time. There we go. And a few years ago at the wild goose festival, um, Amy Grant played and I was like, yeah. I think I know like one or two of her songs. I knew every flipping song she sang. <laughs> yes, there you go. I probably she was too. She was in the tent in the middle of the crowd, right? Yeah, like, were you there? No, so my buddy uh, Randy was there and he just took photos. Randy Evans. Oh, Randy, yeah, Randy Evans. Evans. Yeah, we know yeah. Randy. He camps with us. <laughs> nice. That's yeah. a beautiful connection. And he just, it was like him living some sort of daydream. <laughs> like it was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Only singing Amy Grant songs next to Amy Grant. The world is amazing. Um, That's probably how I would feel. True story. To this day, every Christmas Eve, I often uh, I'm a trained I'm a trained vocalist, too, which I don't even know if you know this, Adam, about me. Um, And I still sing Breath of Heaven like on Christmas Eve and I can bring the house down. Let me just. That's right. There won't be a dry eye in the place. Mm. Feel like I'm a combination about it now. going on. You should be. <laughs> so keeping with the themes, the stuff that's bringing us joy, uh, Adam, I want to thank you so much for recognizing my T-shirt before we started recording a minute ago, because people just like look at the various Doom Tree stuff I have, and they're like, "What's the deal?" <laughs> like, "Nah, what's that?" But. I, you know, it's, it's always a sort of an evangelism opportunity to say, let me introduce you. <laughs> to... it's not, not the superhero that 
that we thought we wanted, but the one we needed. I like how you brought it back it's to obs- Superman. Or like it's, it's obscure, yes. like, obscure band merch. Like I'm like, oh, I briefly saw the button on your vest from a mile away. <laughs> Did that happen to be this band on this at this time? And, you know, like, I don't know. It's just so ridiculous. See, it's hard to be friends with Adam because I notoriously are I, not notoriously. I I'm like getting over a cold. I can't think. I'm always feeling super unhip. See, and I just use the word hip, which I think is a like marker of not being cool. <laughs> hey, Sarah, yeah. I think we catch you off like halfway through your thought. What oh, was no, your it wasn't that. It, I mean, it was just a little backstory for the fact that I had baby baby stuck in my head um, earlier this week <laughs> and started a playlist off of it. And it created a 90s jam list that was my elder millennial dream and <laughs> that's so fun that's so fun yeah i'm talking john sakata is that his name <laughs> yeah totally yeah. recently i recently i kept li- i was listening to like old school original jars of clay and i was like this Whoa. stuff was not bad it was kind of fun like that's i was really enjoying Christian myself culture i'm vaguely familiar with um, because I loved Love Song for a Savior, but it made me think of my boyfriend. Like, I didn't know it was about Jesus when I first heard it. That's, that's why it was a big song. Yeah, that was exactly what they were the hoping, two. was that you yep. could cross over and understand, and you didn't have to know about Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, but thanks for, for coming back. So I highly recommend that. Also, Baby Baby, fun fact. Uh, <laughs> Amy Grant, my head now. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Sarah. Now it's like an earworm stuck in my head. They asked her to write a song about love. So she wrote Baby Baby about her literal infant baby. <laughs> and then people got mad, was like, why is she singing about love? <laughs> She's like, it was literally about my son, <laughs> which the video does not jive with. But the words, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is clearly about your actual baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go back. Now I'm going to have to go back and look at the lyrics because I I just it's remember like- the, the, the chorus. You remember closing time? That yes. song. Yes. Yes. It's the same sort of dynamic, right? He's like, I wrote this for my kid. And oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like there's actually a video on YouTube somewhere that where he is revisiting that song like within the past five or six years. And he and he said, Hey, so just to give you some insight about what this is actually about. And he shares that it was not about what everybody has thought it was, but it's actually about. Uh, the birth of his child, I think. So, so. it's not about a one night stand because nope. that's definitely what I thought. <laughs> nope. Thought it was about literally closing down a bar. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it was never Nirvana. It was always, um, God, I hate being sick and you get dumb. Pressure's on, Chrissy. I know. What are you going to say? And I've seen them in concert several times um, with, um, oh no, I just forgot the like lead singer's name even. Oh no. Who's the other like major grunge? They sing daughter. Soundgarden? Uh, Pearl Jam. Thank Pearl you. Jam. Pearl Jam was oh, driving me nuts. Got got I, I, can't, I, don't, I don't like Nirvana, but Pearl Jam I can listen to all day. Mm. That's about as cool as I get right there. It's super cool. It is. Well, but it's like an outlier and I'll admit that because I listen to a lot of T-Swift too. So <laughs> no. there's no, we are a pro T-Swift podcast <laughs> universally across the board. We don't stand for any kind of Taylor Swift knocking here. So you were in a safe. How do you feel about T Swift, Adam Baker? You know, I am. Um, I am okay with T Swift. I'm okay, um, but but I would They're say gatekeeping. You know, they are. They are. But it's it's okay. I I'm also the guy who we're says learning. that um I I I know every 
single word for Bieber's purpose record. So I, I really can't. <laughs> yes. I like, love that. I yeah. did not know that about you, but I'm excited to know it. Yeah. It's, it's something that I can literally just pop on and hit what I think is every note and uh, which is obviously <laughs> probably not every note, but there's no judgment in my car. No. It's just a pop wonderland in my car listening to that song, that whole album. I don't oh, care man. what you say. Shake it off as a bop. Like I'm just. I just want to affirm that having diverse musical tastes is is healthy, <laughs> and important. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think it's so funny. We're talking about this as though it has, saying I don't listen to Bieber. <laughs> we, we're talking about this as though it's like a a like rabbit trail away from everything we've been talking about, and yet you know, like it's, it's indicative of people's preference to like quantify you as something yeah. like when I, when I meet people and they're like, Oh, you're the pastor who likes the punk rock and that screaming music. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I do, but we can talk about jazz. We can, we can talk about 1980s radio pop. I just want to hear you listen. do that voice all day long. I'm just saying like, <laughs> you're the pastor. <laughs> no, Is but, that what but, people sound like in, in Minnesota? In, well, I don't, Missouri. I don't know. Missouri. Missouri. Like there, I, I did come from six years, no, nine years factoring in Durham as well in, in uh, both city and rural North Carolina. So there was. Some so they want to put you in a box and label you and keep you in that little box. Well, yeah, I, I think that might be what happens. It's just what we do when we're fascinated and unsure of engaging people in their unique experience, whether oh. it's music or mental health or things like that. Do you see what we just did, y'all? Wow. Just, that, that was impressive. That I was am good. so impressed. I'm not even going to share mine. I don't want to ruin around. it. No, Garrett. You <laughs> no, Garrett. This is a, a, a loving and accepting safe space. We want to hear where you are. Close us out, Oh, man. I was just thinking of like some of like the the music that I've recently discovered and that was sort of giving me joy. But it's like, what is it called? It's called like nerdcore rap. I mean, one of, yeah, it's really cool. I like it a lot. Um, The artist that I found, his name is Milo, M-I-L-O. And he references like, Heidegger and Schopenhauer in his raps and being like a nerdy, you know, black guy. I'm like, that's me. That's me. So yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of rocking out to that. The juxtaposition is fun. Yeah. So yeah, it's called nerdcore or or something, um, which sort of throws everyone for a loop. They're like, what is that? Tell me more about it. So yeah, just feel affirmed as a person. (laughs) <laughs> so does this question come from Barbara Brown Taylor? Let's give what's keep what's giving you life or life. what's saving your life? It probably did, but accidentally. Right. We <laughs> okay, came up with me... this originally. This is not any kind of copyright violation. Uh no, no. Uh, we we needed an ending and we were like, we just want to end positively. How do you ask that of somebody? And, you know, we asked, like, what is bringing you joy or something a couple of times? Mm -hmm. And then we realized not everybody is thrilled with life right now. We did kind of start this podcast in a pandemic. And so we kind of altered it a little bit over time. The original question was like, in the midst of this pandemic, what's keeping you going? And then it just kind of transformed into what's giving you life, which is probably just from reading lots of VBT and uh, Brene Brown and... Mm. (laughs) We should probably come up with a more original. <laughs> I think it's. A good, we love I we love BBT. <laughs> yeah, 
I do. So there is no originality anymore, Sarah. Haven't you heard? There's nothing new under the sun. I've read that somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) For playwrights, it's just called uh, creative borrowing or stealing, you know. (laughs) And that's what art generally consists of, actually. So, yeah. Garrett, I'm going to make a recommendation for you. Awesome. If if you haven't listened to Barty's Strange, have you checked them out yet? No. Album's called Live Forever. It was on my 2020 year end list last year. Okay. B R B A R T E E S and then the word strange. Okay. There you go. Sweet. And my 2020 list go, had listeners. a lot of the descendants on it. <laughs> had a lot of Disney musicals online. Because I have not, a four year old. Not descendants, the punk band, but the descendants. No, no, the descendants is in the Disney original movie. Although I do like Descendants, the punk rock band, but I didn't know who they were until I kept trying to tell Alexa to play the Descendants soundtrack. And she kept doing that. I was like, this is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much. I'm not even going to lie. For- I didn't come at it from a cool way. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a really great conversation. For those of y'all listening at home, you know, do all that stuff we normally ask you to do, you know, liking and subscribing and buying books. We'll have Chrissy's books, her book. I can't even speak like with appropriate grammar today. We'll have Chrissy's book when it comes out this fall. So thank you for listening so much. Have a great week, guys. Hey guys, this is John. Thanks so much for listening to another great episode of Logosish. This week's music was by Adam's band, Bears His Teeth, and the song is Hope Like the Ocean. And we're hoping to steal a little more of their music for our coming episodes in the coming weeks, months, years. Who knows how prolific they're going to be. But if you have any questions or thoughts, or if you'd like to have your music featured on the podcast, be a guest on the podcast, or suggest a topic for us to cover, send us an email to logosishpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at logosishpod, and we just ask that you please like, subscribe, and review wherever you download this podcast so that we can get the word out about the cool stuff that we're doing. Have a great week.